Welcome to Imodoka Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things automotive in the heart of Africa. I am your host, Sandra, and together with our partners at Akajira Motors, we are here to navigate the exciting world of cars right here in Rwanda. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a family on the move, or an enthusiast looking to hit the road in style, we've got you covered. In each episode, we will rev up your automotive knowledge with expert insights. So fasten your seatbelts. Grab the steering wheel and let's roll in the world of cars, journeys, and adventures. Welcome to Ibodoka Podcast, where we sachet all curiosity about cars, first-time buyers, tips, maintenance costs and budget, and car buying tips. In today's episode, we are excited to say that we have we have Rupak on the on board again in the studios, and we are very excited to hear more about cars and everything and all the tips he has to tell us. So we are covering choosing the right car for your lifestyle, finding the perfect fit. All this about choosing the right car for your lifestyle. Yeah, thank you for having me on board again. Uh, hello everybody. My name is Rupa Karaja, the Sales and Marketing Director of Akagera Motors here in Rwanda. I want to ask, what are some key considerations listeners should keep in mind when selecting a car based on their specific lifestyle and needs? Yeah, um, excellent question. To ask yourself before buying a car, what are you going to do with that car? Um, are we going from home to the office? Are we going up country? Are we going outside of the country? Bad roads, the national park? Uh, so all those factors definitely have an impact on what type of car we want to buy. Um, are we single? Are we a couple? Do we have family with a bunch of kids and car seats? Um, are we, you know, a little bit older where we want something a bit more comfortable? Am I going to have a driver drive the car and I'm going to be relaxing and sitting in the back? Um, those are all definitely questions that somebody needs to ask themselves when buying. Um, and not to mention, you know, the friendly usability of the car, the options and features that come with the car, the safety that comes with the car, especially if you have family with kids in the car, you know, car seats, you have ISOFIX in the car. I mean, I even had a family that has three kids, two nannies, and they're like, well, we need three ISOFIX, plus we've got to take our nannies, the wife, the husband, we need a big car. So I was like, all right, well, it looks like a minivan is going to fit your lifestyle best. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, so, or do you just commuting within town and maybe a hybrid vehicle is the best option for you? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you want something that shows status, that's something that's big and luxurious? Then you take like a BMW or a Nissan Patrol, something that's, you know, eye-catching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's different, different uh, options and... and demands that the customer would want and that we have the different uh, models available for them to pick from. Yeah, agree. Now for individuals with active outdoor lifestyles, what type of cars would you recommend? The cutter, the adventure spirit, like what are the options out there? Yeah, I mean there's, um, I would say that there's probably four or five different types of categories of cars. So first is like a saloon car, it's a sedan. So this would be a little bit lower ground clearance, a smaller engine, more fuel efficient, five seats, uh, easy to move around town, you know. 
um, to get around from town, point A to point B, short transport, not moving, you know, any big items or a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, just gets a job done of getting you from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. um, next, I would probably say the next category of car would be a small compact size SUV. Um, so this is going to be like, uh, again, a five-seater, uh, a little bit higher ground clearance, uh, you know, a good size boot, um, all the options and features, but you have maybe a bit more, uh, you know, headspace, uh, you're sitting up a little bit higher, uh, but again, you know, you can move around town and once in a while, if you need to go up country or, or you want to take a trip somewhere, the car can get you there. Still fuel efficient. Um, the next category of car I would probably say would be a uh, mid-size SUV um, and this is probably going to be a, still a five-seater. Uh, now we're getting into a 4x4 vehicle, a um, little bit more, a lot more options, uh, features in tech, luxury and comfort, um, overall more durable, more reliable, uh, more power um, and more space. Um, then you're going to come into a full-size SUV, which is going to be like seven seats, four by four, bigger engine, all the luxury, comfort, reliability um, that you would want, plenty of space, uh, great for families with kids, car seats, strollers, mm -hmm. or for people with big families, or for somebody who wants to be driven sitting in the back, um, or even if they have to move people or equipment and stuff. A full-size SUV is going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, the next category of vehicle, which is a bit different from full-size SUVs, I'm going to say is a luxury SUV segment. Um, now, this is going to get into like your Toyota Land Cruiser, your Nissan Patrol, your BMW X7. Um, this is like status vehicle, being driven, or you are the driver. Uh, really, type of a showstopper vehicle. Um, lots of power every single comfort amenity you can think about mm -hmm. from memory seats uh, to ambient lighting massaging seats mm -hmm. cooling and heating of the seat and the cup holders um, I mean everything by the touch of the button uh, just beautiful look amazing comfort and drive mm -hmm. uh, and, and plenty of power um, and then of course you get into your workhorses which is going to be the pickups uh, your single cabs and double cabs um, maybe not the amenities that you would find in a SUV, but definitely that uh, durability, that ruggability of being able to get, you know, a job done, uh, carrying lots of load, carrying people, just getting the job done, you know, the truck that can get dirty uh, type of vehicle. So I'd say those would be the main segments that we see here in Rwanda um, in terms of vehicles, yeah. So I want to ask also, what, are, what role does fuel efficiency play in selecting a car that suits a listener, daily routines, and travel patterns? Yeah, so um, fuel efficiency is super important, right? Because when you own a car, the weekly expense of owning a car is going to be the fuel efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, and fuel in Rwanda is not getting cheaper. It's going to get more expensive. Um, so the engine size is what matters in this mm -hmm. um, and we are always going to look at you know the technology of the engine uh, an older engine will normally have a bigger cubic capacity and that means the size of the engine yeah. a 2 liter engine a 2.5 liter engine mm -hmm. um, which is creating power output your torque your horsepower 
Uh, with that, it's going to consume more fuel, take more air to combust and create that power. With new technology today, it's amazing that we're able to take half the size of an engine, let's say a 1.5 liter engine, and create the same, if not more, torque and horsepower to move the car forward while using less fuel. So an old car is always going to have a bigger engine, more fuel consumption. A new car is always going to have a smaller engine, less or, or better fuel efficiency, better fuel consumption with the same output power, if not more. And this all just comes down to technology, about how fuel and air uh, ratio mixes are being made, how the gearbox is working in terms of propelling the car forward. Um, so a lot of people say, oh, we need a, you know, a 1.4 liter engine is too small. Uh, you know, I have an old 2010, it's a, it's a two liter. I was like, well, you know what, actually the, the, the output power is the same. And that comes down to the, the research and development and the technology of engines that are able to push forward. Um, and then, of course, Rwanda being very proactive and making the smart decision of giving an exemption of 18% VAT, 25% uh, duty, and an exemption on the surtax uh, for hybrid vehicles, electric vehicles, and plug-in hybrid electric vehicles has been a fantastic move by the country, especially in having a clear, cleaner environment. Um, so a hybrid vehicle is a fantastic option. Uh, it allows you to essentially put fuel in the car and that fuel takes you for double or even triple the amount of kilometers that a normal vehicle would take you. Uh, you don't have any range anxiety, you don't have to deal with any charging infrastructure, um, and the vehicle works like a normal uh, ICE vehicle would, an ICE meaning internal combustion engine. Um, then you have the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle solution as well, which is essentially where you do charge, uh, the battery gets full and you have an additional uh, battery range along with the traditional ICE engine as well. And then you have the pure electric vehicle range as well, which is uh, charging and then whatever range that gives you, uh, you driving on that and then having to charge again. Of course, there's pros and cons in, in both of those the different setups of alternative ICE engine vehicles. But yeah, those are the different options available, yeah. So would you, like before I ask about this, this next question about eco-friendly car options, I want to know, compare for us a pure hybrid vehicle versus an electrical vehicle? Yeah, so a standard hybrid vehicle is, is a technology that's been around for a long time, um, as early as 2007 and if not before. I mean, essentially what it is is that you have your traditional engine and right next to it you have a hybrid electric engine and they're essentially working in sync together to propel the car forward. Now, the electric hybrid engine would be sending power to the axle along with the engine propelling the car forward or the engine would be charging the hybrid engine to push the car forward. And when the vehicle is braking, that kinetic energy is then taken and stored into the hybrid motor for use later on. And what this does is that essentially it's a uh, give and take type of situation that allows you to use less fuel and have a longer range. Um, the beauty about this technology is that you don't have any charging, you still get an amazing fuel efficiency and there's no change in your drivability of the car or the maintenance of your car. It's like having a normal car. And even after, let's say, eight to 10 years, 
Um, there's an issue with a hybrid system. Uh, the ICE engine can still propel the car forward. Um, and it's also easy to, to work on the car because it's all in the front and in the hood of the engine, uh, hood of the car. Um, then we go into plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. What we see some manufacturers doing is putting smaller engines into the car to compensate for the bigger battery in the car that is holding the energy to propel the car forward. Of course, with the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, you have to charge. This gives you some additional range. But once that range is depleted and you're not able to recharge, you're running on a traditional engine, which sometimes can be underpowered and then end up consuming sometimes more fuel. Um, and then you get into a pure electric vehicle. Uh, this technology is well, not very new, but it's uh, emerging and growing. Um, it's a great opportunity for people to get into it, uh, but there are some risks that come with it, along with uh, pros as well. Of course, there's no fuel, so that's fantastic. Your fuel cost is almost zero. Electricity cost is very low. Um, you do have to charge the vehicle, so whether that's at your office or at your home, whether it's quick charger, slow charger, you have to deal with that uh, time constraint. And then you also have the issue of range anxiety. If I do charge, I need to go on a long distance, will I make it there? If I do reach there, can I get back? Or do I take charging cables with me? Um, and another risk that I've always seen with electric vehicles is getting into accidents. Uh, most of the time, these electric uh, cells or the batteries are normally built into the floor of the vehicle. So if the vehicle gets T-boned or into a incident or an accident, you better hope that that battery cell isn't going to get damaged or affected because to repair it or to bring in a new one is extremely costly um, and not to mention also very dangerous to work on. Um, so these are all the pros and cons of the three different types of vehicles that we are now allowed in Rwanda under an exemption. Um, and it really comes down to individual choices of what they want, what they like. Mm -hmm. um, I, I personally like the hybrid idea. It yeah. seems a little bit easier. Uh, eventually, yeah, I think that electric vehicle option would be great if the infrastructure and when the infrastructure in Rwanda is fully built out mm -hmm. to have access to charging like we see in many other countries. You go to a shopping mall, you go to a movie theater, you go to the office or a restaurant, you can charge your vehicle there priority parking for electric vehicles. Um, so that would all be, you know, fantastic. So speaking of um, eco-friendly, now I want to know, are there any eco-friendly car options available in Rwanda that align with the suitability or sustainable lifestyle? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know there are many dealers here in Rwanda that, uh, off the top of my head, I know there's four dealers here in Rwanda that offer a range of uh, hybrid, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles and pure EV. Um, for us, we, we have our uh, hybrid vehicles um, from Kia, the Kia Nero. Um, and we do plan on bringing in pure electric vehicles in the first quarter of 2024 as well um, to really deliver to the market um, that early technology and options available. Yeah. Oh, nice. So um, can you provide examples of how different Enhance the driving experience of virus for virus lifestyle preferences. Yeah, um, I mean it's amazing the technology in cars these days. Um, I can start off with simple down to the more complex stuff. The simplicity of parking sensors is is so nice to have front and rear parking sensors. How close you get to get to a wall or another car when you're parking it makes it so much easier. 
Um, of course, you have the reverse camera, and, but what I love now is this 360 degree camera. So having four cameras um, on the vehicle, one in the rear, one in the front, one on the left side mirror, and one on the right side mirror, uh, really makes it easy for maneuvering the vehicle and seeing a full 360 degree picture. Um, there's, in our BMWs, there's so much technology. Um, one of them is the active brake assist, uh, which is essentially if you're driving uh, and you can set the parameters yourself as well, it's all you know customizable. If you get too close to a car, the vehicle will automatically brake for you and slow down and maintain that distance of safety. Um, down to even lane keeping assist. If you're driving long distance and your vehicle starts to veer off uh, a lane, the cameras and radars will automatically detect that you're going off the lane and bring you back into your lane for correction. Um, well, sometimes this is beneficial, sometimes in Rwanda not so much because you have all the motos and the bicycle guys, it could be a little bit difficult. Um, Another cool, you know, uh, technology is, uh, you know, our headlights, uh, full LED headlights, and the technology be behind that using radars to essentially at night read oncoming traffic, road signs, and those LED headlights being able to uh, decide where to emit more light and where to diminish light, so that you're not blinding oncoming drivers, you're not receiving any glare from road signs, um, and that you're getting the best light output on the road through harsh visibility, whether it be rain, fog, um, and, and, and essentially taking that fatigue off your eyes. Um, and even in some of the vehicles we have, they have what we call the Driver Attention Plus, uh, which is a radar that's inside the vehicle that's essentially monitoring your face and your eye movement to see that if any time that you're dozing off, if your eyes are actually being taken off the road, it'll give you a notification to pull off the road or to grab a coffee or to stretch or to take a break. Um, so these are all just great safety standards that are being put into vehicles that are slowly becoming a normal option now. Um, and of course, I mean, we can talk about airbags, but these are things that, have, that are 100% standard and normal now. And of course, collision impact and all that stuff. So all this technology is coming in and it's fantastic. Yeah. It's great to have all this tech to keep everyone safe on the road and alert on the road as well. Mm. So I want to ask, how important is cargo space and storage capacity in choosing a car that can accommodate different needs? Cargo space is, is important. Um, actually, even when I was getting one of my cars here, I never really, you don't really think about cargo space, funny enough. But then when you're actually using a car on a day-to-day, -day, especially when you have a family, you start to realize, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy or grateful to have plenty of space to, to carry luggage or even just bags, especially if you're going on a trip somewhere or to the airport or, you know, you're going somewhere with friends and everyone has their luggage. Um, yeah, I mean, cargo space is super important. Um, even if you don't think you need it, you might need it later on. Um, so having a good-sized trunk, I think, is super key. Um, it doesn't mean that that should be your deciding factor of a vehicle, but, I mean, if you're buying a seven-seats vehicle and you throw down the third row, uh, you have more trunk space. That's fantastic. So, so, so are there any factors listeners should consider in future planning, such as potential family expansion or career changes when selecting a car? Yeah, so... 
that's kind of subjective. I mean, it depends. I always hope that everybody has a job and has money to be made. Um, but when it comes to family expansion, yeah, I mean, if it's in your plan to, to get married or you're already married and then to have kids and the quantity of kids, uh, yeah, that definitely should be taken into consideration. Uh, or When you buy a car, you're not buying a car for, you know, one year or two years. It's normally for five plus years. Um, so if you're going to have kids, you know, whether it's one, two or three, definitely buy an interior with a dark color. <laughs> Don't go buy, you know, a white leather interior or something because kids are a bit uh, rough on the interior of cars. Um, you make sure the vehicle has ISOFIX, which is essentially the ability to, to lock in your car seat um, so that if a collision does happen, that the baby is safe. Um, of course, I would say make sure that there's air conditioning vents in the second row. Mm -hmm. As you know, in Rwanda, in the dry season, mm -hmm. it gets very hot. So having that ventilation is key. Um, obviously, safety. You know, make sure the car is safe. Uh, it has the enough airbags to protect everybody. Um, it has the convenience and features of safety driving um, and easy, easy access to get into the car, to get out of the car. Um, sometimes, you know, you have a low car, you go to get your kids out from the back, you bump your head on the roof. Um, so having that, you know, high enough car or high ground clearance is, is always key. Um, again, whether you need... If you're going to have kids, I definitely think you need seven seats because you're going to need that stroller in the back, the baby diaper bag, all those things. So, yeah, I think uh, definitely family expansion is something to think about when buying a car um, and buying something that's big enough for the family versus buying something that's too small and then saying, well, now I need a bigger car. Yeah. I, I always tell people, you know, it, it doesn't cost you anything to come to our showroom. We have a huge range of vehicles um, that are all the way down to affordable, down up to the luxury segment. Um, it doesn't hurt to come take a look to see the different category of vehicles. Uh, yes. Even if you don't buy from us, you want to buy from someone else, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we're there to, you know, share our knowledge and our expertise and uh, show you the vehicles, even if you're looking at something else. So you have an idea of what type of category you're in and uh, see if it fits your lifestyle and, and your budget and what you want. Right. Um, I mean, we hold 50 plus cars in stock at any given time. You know, we have a 22 car showroom in the center of town here in Kichikiro. Mm -hmm. So we're always happy to have everyone come visit, take a look, mm -hmm. and uh, we'd be happy to assist them, answer their questions to get them into the right vehicle for their needs. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. This was very enlightening again. That's a wrap for today's episode of Imodoka Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our drive through the fascinating world of cars and found our insights valuable. If you love what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, write, and review our podcast. Your feedback heals our engine. Join us next time as we explore more exciting topics in automotive realm. Until then, stay safe, keep your wheels turning, and embrace the road ahead with confidence.